Good evening, this is Mary Bellings with KSOM and KS95 News. A father and son are dead after gunfire in northwest Iowa's Woodbury County. The sheriff's office, a 72-year-old Todd Solzberger, called last night and said his son was going to shoot him. Deputies arrived and found the man's body. During an overnight standoff, deputies eventually came under heavy gunfire. Deputies returned fire and shot and killed the son, 44-year-old Walter Solzberger. could not have imagined that we would be involved in something that was as dramatic as it was um, last night for, for the tactical teams that were there um, when they came under heavy fire from a suspect. That was Woodbury County Sheriff Chad Sheehan. On Sunday, Red Oak Police arrested two people on assault charges. 26-year-old Dominic Cameron Essex of Red Oak was arrested for domestic assault first offense in the 1500 block of North 8th Street. Officers transported Essex to the Montgomery County Jail and held him on no bond. 65-year-old Scott Wade Berry of Red Oak was arrested in the 700 block of High Street for domestic abuse assault second offense. He was transported to the Montgomery County Jail and held on no bond. Member school districts of the Rural School Advocates of Iowa convened their annual meeting on October 17th at the FFA Enrichment Center in Ankeny. RSAI advocates on behalf of the students, parents, and communities in rural Iowa to ensure all students have access to a great Iowa education regardless of where they live. It is a group of individuals, um, many superintendents that come together to talk about what are the issues and concerns that we are addressing as rural schools and what kind of priorities we want to make sure that we are sending as a message to our legislators and they help us advocate for the things that we need as a rural school organization. Riverside School Superintendent Dr. Stephanie Anderson said state supplemental assistance was a top priority for RSAI members. As every year we start to think about, okay, you know, the promoting and retention of teachers within our districts and knowing that we need to provide raises for teachers and we need to have a a base salary that is intriguing to teachers so that they can come to our rural district specifically. And when we are getting such a low supplemental aid, we are having a difficult time increasing that base wage, increasing raises that we want for our teachers. So, I mean, we just we just really need to advocate for additional state supplemental aid. Dr. Anderson said staff shortages is also high on the list of priorities for rural schools. We are feeling that this year in Riverside in that we could not hire an art teacher. We could not find a vocal music teacher. We have a phenomenal band teacher who has taken on the role of a vocal teacher as well. And, and she's, she's definitely doing all the things things between the musical and marching band and jazz band and all the vocal music programs. Um, and I, I think about that and I think, I mean, how, how do teachers continue to endure that and continue to be at their best every single day? And so um, we, are, we are definitely feeling that and, and trying to provide opportunities for our kids in the arts, um, but knowing that we don't have a teacher, um, we're doing the best that we can. Um, But I I mean, I think it's in tandem with state supplemental aid and that we can't provide a salary where teachers are intrigued to, to join the profession or to join some of our rural schools. Dr. Anderson said the more people in our communities that can reach out to our legislators and let them know the needs we have the better. They need to hear from the constituents within each of the districts and and be able to tell them, hey, here's the needs that we have within our districts. You know, I, I've invited our legislators into our schools. I mean, one of them has responded and indicated that he definitely wants to come in and see what's going on and see where he can support what's happening in our schools. So, I mean, I, I think just being informed 
and letting people know this is what the needs of the schools are. If we're going to attract and retain teachers, we have to make sure that it's an attractive profession. Rural school advocates of Iowa members include 187 Iowa school districts, several of which are among the largest geographic school districts in the state. All nine area education agencies, Iowa's three regents universities, and Des Moines Area Community College are affiliate members of RSAI. Trick-or-treating is generally a low-risk activity. However, Iowa State Patrol Trooper and District 4 Public Information Officer Shelby McCready says there are some dangers present and there are numerous things parents can do to keep their children safe. The big tip I have for kids is to make sure you don't eat any of the treats that you've gathered until you get home and your parents go through them. And this is primarily just because of food allergies. Trooper McCready advises parents to plan a route for their children, set a curfew, and if the child is going to deviate from that route, make sure they notify their parent or guardian. Always walk on sidewalks and never go into a stranger's home. So that way you always know where your child is going to be. Um, Travel only in familiar and well-lit areas. Cross all the streets at the corners and crosswalks. Don't crisscross on the streets. Do one side and then go back down the other. Always look both ways before crossing streets, and if a car is coming, make sure you make eye contact with that driver before crossing to make sure that they see you as well. McCready says one question quite often heard is how old my child should be before they can trick-or-treat on their own. She says as a rule of thumb, children under 10 must be escorted by a supervised adult. You know your children better than anyone, so... Um, it's obviously a parental decision, but if you do let your kids trick-or-treat by themselves, um, stick with friends. Never go by yourself. Always go with a group. The suggested minimum is at least three people. So if you're going to let your kids trick-or-treat alone, um, put them with friends, you know, at least a couple. Trooper McCready says children should not wear a mask for visibility reasons. Avoid dark-colored costumes, reflective tape on the front and back and around the legs and ankles if possible. McCready says costumes should fit properly to prevent tripping and falling, dress for the weather, put a phone inside the child's outfit, and wear glow sticks. Governor Kim Reynolds announced a new $6.5 million investment in communities to bolster tourism and quality of life through Destination Iowa. The grant initiative, which launched in 2022 with federal funding, became a state-funded initiative following approval from the Iowa legislature this year. The IEDA board approved the Destination Iowa program guidelines and procedures at its monthly board meeting last Friday. Funds will be awarded to projects investing in vertical infrastructure, such as land acquisition and construction, recreational trails, and water trails. The goal is for Iowa communities to make strategic investments that create or support lasting opportunities to attract visitors and enhance quality of life amenities for residents, thereby boosting local economies and attracting talent. The program will follow a two-step application process. Pre-applications will be accepted on a rolling basis through January 31st via a form on the IEDA's website. For those applicants invited to apply for the full application, the final application deadline is March 1st. IEDA will designate a grant committee to review applications and make funding recommendations to the IEDA board for consideration at the April 2024 monthly board meeting. More news online at westerniowatoday.com. I'm Eddie Bellings with KSOM and KS95 News.